Hi, and welcome to the special Pride episode of Perfect Six. <laughs> did I just say for fuck's sake podcast? You did. You did. Uh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so fucking sorry. Fucking pigeon! Make Maddie proud! Make Daddy proud! Don't dye your hair. It's only game. Why you have to be mad? Hi, and welcome to the special edition Pride episode of For Buck's Sake Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy. Around the table, we have Sarah. Hey. Taylor. Hi. And Shay. Hey. hey. To kick off our podcast today, I'd like to give a shout out to... To Colin Martin um, from the Minnesota United FC... Um, not a hockey player, but he did come out today, and he is the first person in three, no, four years in, um, major Americans male sports to come out. So, congrats, good on him, good luck, sending you, sending him good well wishes, but that kind of, um, that kind of segues into our first topic of the day, which is the fact that there really isn't any out players active or retired or otherwise in the NHL they're like we've had I think a couple NCAA players come out I think we had a former or maybe was current at the time in the OHL player come out but really there's not anyone out which there's not really any players out in the other leagues either but the fact that there's, I think, been two MLS players. There's been a couple, like one or two retired soccer play or soccer baseball players, and there has been Michael Sam, of course. Though he never made it into the NFL officially, he plays in the CFL, but he does play in the CFL now. Um, there's just not really anyone. Um, and yeah, I th- oh, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, I think uh, it's been confirmed that the only league, the only national league uh, in the United States that hasn't had anyone truly like attached come out is the NHL. So every other league has someone that has come out on some level and the NHL is the only one that's not at all anyone. At least for none of the players. Yeah. Yeah. Which starts us off with... Which brings us into, of course, you can play. Now, most people, if you are into the NHL, you have heard of you can play. But you probably don't know the story behind it. So... The so it started with Brendan Burke, who is the son of who was the son of Brian Burke, who at the time was the GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Though now he is currently the president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames. He came out in gay. It, he came out as gay in November of two thousand nine, and actually made international headlines when he did while advocating for tolerance and speaking out against homophobia in sports. It was I think he. Shay, you were saying earlier that he was a hockey player for varsity in 
high school, I think, and then quit because of the homophobia. Yes. He said the, the homophobia wasn't quite directed at him, obviously, because he wasn't out and no one knew that he was gay. But um, he was so uncomfortable by the homophobic language in the locker room that he uh, quit hockey for a time and then later ended up picking it back up as uh, the manager for the Miami, Ohio Hockey League, who uh, they have a great university program there. So unfortunately, Brendan died in a car crash on February 5th in 2010, just about three months after he actually came out. He was only 21 years old at the time. Now, in his memory, Brian Burke, um, who had supported him when he did come out, he did come out, continued to support the um, LGBT community after he after his son died. And then his other son, Patrick Burke, who was formerly a scout of the Philadelphia Flyers and currently is the senior director of player safety for the NHL. Um, was also heavily involved in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community. And, of course, is they're the ones who founded You Can Play in the memory of Brendan Burke. Now, the organization was originally started by straight people, so it's not a perfect organization. In the beginning, it was... They were really, really hoping that there would they would have um, basically a face for the organization because they were really pushing for someone to come out at the time because they thought that would it help things help the cause in leaps and bounds. But it has since been come out, um, been taken over or aided by um, actual queer people, and so it's it's improved a lot. It's not like it's a lot better than it had than it was in the past and it also and you can play this organization that had that is paired with the nhl to do hockey is for everyone which isn't just about um queer hockey players or uh, but also in queer fans but also about fans um fans and players of color and various other people within the community so now of course two years or a year ago hockey is for everyone really started and they and all the teams were supposed to be doing a February's Hockey is for Everyone month, and so teams are supposed to do Pride Night. Of course, that not all the teams actually participate in Pride Night the way they should. Yeah, there was... Um, it, it's something that I think we had bookmarked for later, but uh, I know especially the uh, fans of the Minnesota Wild were really mad because... Uh, they felt they were not represented by the team properly during Hockey's for Everyone month. I paused to let everyone kind of pitch in about different uh, teams. To, to <laughs> add in on this, I remember last year uh, there was a time in which the Stars, technically they, I believe they had a night, but not much was done for it simply because at the time the Stars' organization was kind of all focused in on um, – some cancer work as a man in our organization he had cancer he has since passed away um and they've done a lot in memory of him but i do remember seeing some not very many fans but a couple of fans online you know they were angry about it but the stars did issue an apology uh so i mean everybody's growing everybody's working to get better yeah, I mean, look at Tyler Sagan. He was the You Can Play Ambassador, the Hockey is for Everyone Ambassador for the Stars this year. And from everything I've read, like, he did, like, well, the team has only done so much since then. He's done very well. And apparently, like, even though he's notorious for saying stupid things in interviews, he's been very good in all the interviews he's done about it. 
Oh yeah. And I, I know a lot of people, they think that, you know, if you say something a couple years back, you know, you shouldn't be given that position, but I don't know. I, I know as a lesbian myself, it makes me so happy to see when people can grow and hopefully teach others, you know, and help build a safer space. If that makes any sense. That's, That's just my thought on that. Yeah, I think if we don't, I think we have this issue where it's, like, there's times where, like, you know, it does seem kind of like they're just giving them a bit too much leeway and they're just giving them this position to, like, appease fans. But also, it is one of those things, if we don't allow people to actually grow, then we're kind of doing everyone a disservice. Because, like, that's the whole point of what these organizations are about, is is teaching people, allowing people to grow, making people, making the environment more accepting. And if we can't allow for players, if we can't allow for players to actually become more accepting and maybe, like, and be forgiven for these mistakes, then what's the point of these organizations? Definitely. I think that we need to hold certain teams to a better standard. So by that, I mean, I know that Detroit hasn't done very much for the LGBT community. I know certain players are like outwardly, outwardly uh, supportive of it. Like Larkin, I don't know if this got around to y'all, but like there was that picture on their Instagram of Larkin's uh, stick and he just like completely wrapped his stick in the rainbow tape or whatever, like all the way up and down his stick. So obviously there are players who go out to show support, but I I agree with uh, Sarah because Detroit had the same problem. They put a lot of effort into celebrating and like raising money for uh, breast cancer awareness, which is fantastic. Like, absolutely, like, you know, that's a good organization to, you know, put your efforts into, but they don't show the same respect, I guess, towards LGBT and Pride Night. Well, I'm, I mean, my, my point was more so, like, at the start's time, it was more of all hands-on-deck situation because somebody on their staff was very ill. Um, but I do understand what you're saying, and I, I do agree. Yeah, I do think that we, like I, like, I like the idea of Hockey is for Everyone as a whole month. But I do think we need to, like, not, like, kind of what you're saying, hold them to higher standards but, like, also just hold them accountable for saying, like, you can't just pick and choose which causes you're going to support during Hockey is for Everyone Month. You need to make sure you're supporting all the causes equally. You can't, like, they can't keep playing favorites like some of the teams choose to do. There are, I I did notice when I was looking into this that while all 31 teams hosted, like, uh, a night during Hockey is for Everyone night, there were certain teams that kind of went above and beyond and they had more than just like one night for everyone they would have like a pride night the caps especially they had like five different causes that they were supporting or five or six or or more than that and they had separate nights for for all of them so they had nights for the um, Chinese community in Washington they had nights for other people of color they had nights for uh, people with disabilities and then they had their separate pride night to make sure and give everyone uh, their peace, I guess. That's really nice. 
Yeah, I think it's especially because like there's obviously always going to be some causes that are closer to an organization's heart. Like I know that the St. Louis Blues go really, really hard for um, cancer nights after um, Ari, who was I don't know if you guys heard the story of Ari, but she was a um, a couple years ago. There was some sort of charity thing and like a bunch of kids, um, sick kids got paired with different players. And Ari was a kid with cancer. and She got paired with Vladimir Tarasenko. Now, last um, spring, Tarasenko bid in, in an auction to take to like have someone go along on a trip with them and won the auction and gave the tickets to Ari because he was still in contact with her. And Ari passed away in earlier this fall. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. It's like a really big thing for Blues fans. Um, and they actually started a whole thing in her honor, actually a little bit before she passed away, where every year they're gonna bring a kid. Um, they're gonna bring a kid along on a road on a road trip with them. And That's it's really like, sweet. Yeah. Like, but also, like, if you think about that, like, they do go really hard for Cancer Nights, but also you do have to, like, sort of act that, like, the Blues were one of the first teams to do a, like, to do a Pride Night. And the first one was okay, but they were also literally one of the first teams to do so. But, like, and they, like, I did, I personally didn't get to go this year. Um, I was busy. But I've heard that they did even better this, um, this, this year. Um, like, I know that their the hometown hero I think was a out um, high school football player and I just know they did like a lot of it sounded like they did a lot of cool stuff with it and it does show that like obviously you can just keep like you can give focus to multiple things but also that you can keep improving and keep doing more things like like it's 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 a growing and learning process like. We just can't be stagnant about stuff like this. Part of the reason why I think the the why the Blues had like one of the most elevated Pride nights this year was because they they had um, they have someone on their staff who is an openly gay man, and while he he was like very clear in stressing uh, in an article in the Athletic uh, that um, they didn't like he isn't the reason why the pride night is what it is. Like he wasn't part of the team that developed the idea to start a pride night. Um, and that they were even like hesitant to bring him in at first because they didn't want to make him feel like the token gay in the room. But, um, but he is the, the director of game operations and he does all of the planning for the event. So he made sure to sort of uh, give that community a sense of like being they had like a a a gay men's chorus to sing the national anthem they had uh miss missouri who uh who is the first so while we were saying that the stars um haven't always done so great with their pride night though kudos tyler sagan for actually doing your interviews well and not calling the team your girlfriend during pride night (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one thing that was that the organization did that was very good was they were actually the first pro Texas team to speak up against the um, Texas bathroom law or transphobic bathroom laws. They basically said flat out that they weren't going to follow them. And so regardless of all else, we at least got to give them props for that. That are just like, nope, nope, not having it. Um, another big and cool thing though is um 
Joe Altenu, um, he's the director of event operations for the New Jersey Devils. He came up publicly through a write-up about sports about being gay, a gay man in professional sports back in January 2017. Um, he actually got a lot of support from a lot of people just within like the two days after he first came out. He had people reach out for him from all over the industry, all over the NHL, even people who knew him back in like high school, com- like coming out and giving him support, and which is like. While I think we're all kind of worried, a lot of us, um, especially people who aren't straight, are worried for if a player or someone was to come out, like, how everyone will react. It is nice to know that, like, through this, that, like, at least, that there are good coming out stories in sports. And it isn't, it doesn't all just end up with people getting, like, getting a bunch of hate or getting, or getting driven out of playing sports, like, um, Brendan Burke did. But he also... Acknowledge, of course, not everyone is not everyone is as lucky as he is to have all the support that he did, and so that he is open for people if anyone needs to talk to him or wants to just have someone to talk to about it in in the league. Obviously, like us little ants down here, I can't just call up Altenu and be like, "Yo, what up, man?" But um, he actually opened himself up for people if people in the industry to call him and talk to him if they needed to, which is like amazing of him. And hopefully we'll, hopefully people take him up on that. Like, and he can help someone. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so on, but that was some of the good stuff that's been happening with the NHL recently. And, but of course it's like the NHL is not perfect. There's a huge culture, um, a huge, there's a cult, there's this, huge culture issue with homophobia it's like so intrinsic in the league and just from all the way up from the like from the owners get all the way down to the fans and so then we so we end up getting instances like uh like with the end with andrew shaw and ryan gets left for people who don't know um Andrew Shaw, back when he used to play on the Blackhawks, he um was put into the penalty box and shouted a homophobic slur across the ice and also made a rude gesture at the refs and he ended up getting um suspend he got suspended a game for it this was in the middle of playoffs he got spend he got suspended a game for a game and then was fined for the gesture he made at the referees now pretty much immediately afterwards if you see his interviews he did say that he felt really fucking bad about it he was like and he said that he never wanted to do it again but and then later after he um got traded to the Habs he um there wasn't an incident where people thought he used another homophobic slur but then it turned out that he didn't they did have um nhl out sports and espn all hire professional readers to see and he said um i think he said it's not fucking fair or something along those lines um and so he actually became the you can play ambassador ambassador for the habs and of course there's a big stink about it so what do you guys feel about that um well I'm going to take the unpopular side of this and I'm going to say, um, well, quick disclaimer. I personally, I don't really feel either which way because honestly, at this point, what happened happened and you can't change the past. He what he is or was an ambassador and I can't change that. You can't change that. It happened. Okay. So what I will say though, is trying to look at this with a positive light is that we should applaud anybody who can grow and learn because you can't teach a group of idiots with an idiot. You have to have someone who has been educated some way. And 
yes, he used a slur. It was terrible. I won't, I won't deny that. But if he has actually 100% honestly learned and grown from it, then that eases my mind a little bit about him being an ambassador because hopefully he can teach um, other homo- homophobic players. Um, that's, you know, that's the positive aspect of it. So that's what I got. From my end, I like I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly when it comes to I really want people who are who have been through who have made these kind of mistakes to sort of grow and learn from it and to be more involved in like the LGBTQ community to sort of learn and educate people in their lives that maybe helped influence that. But I feel like it's bad form to make him the ambassador specifically because as the ambassador, it's your role to sort of reach out to the community. And I think that a lot of people knowing that he has said the things he has may not be completely comfortable with it, especially with like with the culture that you have when you're when you're fined. Of course, you're going to apologize and say sorry. But do you actually mean it? You know, and, and that's the thing that I think gets a lot of people and might make fans feel uncomfortable if you get someone like that as your as your you can play ambassador. Which I, I get what you're I get where you're coming from, no doubt, no problem. Um, you know, just again to reiterate, you know, finding a positive light in a not so good situation. Yeah, I uh, th- oops, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to excuse homophobic behavior. I just want to make that clear, you know, to any anybody who may be listening. I'm not excusing what he has done. Oh, no, I think your I think your position was like super clear. Like, I don't think anyone could hear what you said and think that you're excusing his behavior because definitely what you're saying, it it makes sense and it's okay. My point is just more that like uh, him that like that's not for people who he's reaching out to. They might not feel comfortable talking to him specifically knowing his history. Yeah, that's you know, that's I also think that that would be potentially a good thing because then he's got hands-on experience with these people and obviously they might be a little uncomfortable but he will have he's basically being forced to learn that like this is a thing and you can't you can't continue to shout slurs and expect to get away with it um and have your community not be hurt by it so i think that it was a probably uh, not so good way for them to force him to learn. Yeah. I think it's like, I'm kind of like in the middle of the two where it's like, I think that like having him in as an ambassador is not necessarily an all around bad thing. If he is actually sorry about what he's done, because obviously he expressed regret from the get go about what he said, but he did still say it. The fact that he still said it, means that he has probably used the language at some point. It's very hard to, like, yell something insulting and not having ha- not have used it at some point. But, like, so... And so, he may have regretted it, but, like, he obviously had some issues to work through. We don't... We're not in his head. We can't say for sure whether he actually... Sorry, now that whether he's actually changed his ways. We hope he does. I really hope he did. That would be awesome. But we just... We don't know that for sure. But, like, I do think that, like, if he has changed his ways, that it is a good idea to have, like, an, as um, as Sarah and Taylor were saying, that, like, someone who has hands-on experience, like, that's good to have them. Maybe not, though, for the very first 
hockey is for everyone month. Like, I think that's kind of where the issue is, like, from the get-go, that's where, like, that was one of the ambassadors. And I can see, like, I, it ruffles a few feathers, but I also think of, um, like, we were bringing up, like, early on the show, like, Tyre Sagan has, like, seems to have actually learned a lot from some of the shitty things he did when he was younger. Of course, he was a dumb teenager when a lot of this stuff happened, but I digress. Um, but I do think we just need to keep in mind that, like, with all this, just to reiterate what I was saying earlier, that we do need to allow people to learn from their mistakes. Because we do have, we are in this culture right now where we don't let people learn from their mistakes. Because, and part of it, I think, comes from a, a natural cynicism that, you know, people don't change. People don't change. Yeah. Yeah. That people don't change because so much shit has happened and, like... We, we, they, they apologize. We trust that they have learned and then they do shit again. And I think that being part, being a minority, like you do have to like, you do have to be wary of people. So I get it. But I think, and like, but I think we do also, if we don't let people learn and we don't like, then it's never going to get better. Right. Yeah. That's, that's my whole big thing right there. Absolutely. And of course... We could have a whole separate episode about the culture around learning how to be a good ally and what whatever. We could have an entire two-hour show on it because there's a, there's a ton to unpack in our culture, but... Definitely. Also, okay, so the other big um, slur use um, issue that happened... What happened last year with Ryan Getzlaff, um, he's captain of the Ducks. And so this is this is an issue that was, I think, a little bit more cloudy, in my opinion. But it's up for y'all to decide. Um, so he called someone a cocksucker on the ice. I don't remember the context of it. But, of course, he was, fi- he was fined, I think, what was it? It was like $15,000 for it being a homophobic, fl- homophobic slur, which... It is, but I do think there is the fact that, like, a lot of people don't know this is, or don't consider it to be a homophobic slur, don't know it, what it, it is, or just because they don't think about it. Because I remember after the fact, he's just like, oh, I didn't even consider that to be one, but, like, you know, I'll clean up because, like, but I didn't think that that was something I wasn't allowed to say. But I think this is something that the community might be even more divided on, whether this was, like, a true use of him being homophobic or just ignorance. What, about, what do you guys think? Well, I, I remember when this happened. Uh, I actually had to pop into a group chat and pretty much ask, you know, what was up because I didn't understand because at the time I didn't uh, consider it to be a slur. You know, it's something that you hear yelled in traffic. It's something that you hear yelled in movies or rated R movies, rather. You know, it's just <laughs> like growing up, I heard my father say it every other day, you know, um, come to think of it he was really homophobic so i guess you know it does add up (laughs) but i I don't know when it happened i was like this isn't that big of a deal he's playing hockey he's going to curse Uh, and then of course some friends had to sit me down they were like hey look no look at it from this perspective and i did and i was like oh shit so (laughs) i can kind of see how maybe he wouldn't have thought that he was being homophobic and because you know accidents happen and if you don't know then you don't know because if it were me i certainly wouldn't have known i uh, think 
I think part of it is also that like this this specific slur or, or word or term doesn't affect us as much as women who love women um, as much as it affects, you know, uh, men who love men, you know, so it it doesn't it, it doesn't attack us in the same way. But uh, for me, I don't I don't think the slur itself was that much of an issue personally. It was more the the sort of non-apology and then the fans' response to it, you know? Yeah. For those who don't know, um, they're like people did actually try and raise or no, they did not try. They did raise money to pay the fine that he received, which is honestly bullshit. Like give my opinion here a little bit, but you know, I, I personally think that, you know, I, I know that there's issues with, um, that people have issues with the fining system. Personally, I think the fining system is fine. I think the fines need to be bigger and need to be, or at least need to be proportional to their salary. Um, because that was like a big issue that a lot of the fans had was that, uh, or the fans who were mad at him were like, that like, you know, this was like, barely a slap on the wrist concerning how much money gets left makes each year. But I do think that the fine system is could be useful here because if they actually if he if they had had a portion of salary it'd be okay it could just be he's ignorant he doesn't know this is but this is what fines are for they're supposed to be that kind of slap on the wrist slap on the face where it's enough to affect you but it's just so you can learn because maybe you didn't know that you were doing something wrong but that's what that's what it's for is it's a warning to be like hey this isn't cool don't do it again fans trying to raise money for something that like that's basically there for him to learn when he makes as much money as he does because boy is rich it's it's just fucking bullshit i definitely agree with you yeah No no doubt Honestly, I didn't even know that fans had raised money until we went to record this episode, and I was looking at the notes, and I just had this moment of, like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was a whole big thing, and it was it was really fucked up on so many levels, because it shows you, like, how NHL fans are willing to sort of excuse behavior that maybe, maybe in this case, it wasn't so clear that it was a bad thing, but, like if he's getting fined, let him get fined. Let him learn from his mistake. I think it's fucking hilarious. They're paying his fine. They're paying (laughs) for, they're paying for, uh, a action that they did not commit. Yeah. (laughs) You're throwing your money away to a man who makes so much money, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars each year. He still has a career. He's fine, but you lost money because you're dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Tay, you're valid. (laughs) Sticker coming. Sticker to coming. Sticker to come to stores soon. (laughs) Yes, for the fans, there's going to be a sticker made of me that just says "valid." You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Giving, uh, giving what the fans really want. Okay, back on track. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got completely lost there for a second. Okay. Um, So, obviously, this is all at the NHL level, but, of course, these issues are top to bottom. Um, One of the other... So, there's been the whole thing with um, Andre Barone, who he's an open... 
Um, he's an openly gay um, ECHL referee, and he actually completely quit working in the league, um, working as a ref in the league for a while just because of how bad the homophobia was and how he was treated in the league as an openly gay man. Like, he did not only dealt with, um, he not only dealt with, like, casual shit, like, just, of course, players yelling shit at each other all the time, not concerned about who's around them and who might hear, but, um, also, there was a coach that actually, like, basically charged at him, yelling and insulting him in front of um, in front of the team, in front of his own team after they had um, blown a lead in the third period. Um, and so he actually apparently came forward um, to about, he actually approached a different coach about um, one specific player who was using um, slurs over and over again. And the coach, instead of handling the issue because these are grown-ass men are like hey don't make it about you which is again bullshit shows shows how much some people care yeah and no because it's been proven time and time again that they'll get away with this bullshit it you know the league doesn't do anything none of the leagues do it's been an issue with not only like obviously homophobia but like racism and you know other stuff that's going on um, it's, it's, it is bullshit that they get away with it, but we, it's, these kids are watching these adults can like continue to act like assholes to LGBT people. And, you know, it just creates a cycle. Yeah. Definitely, especially if you take into consideration that the ECHL, it's two leagues removed from the NHL. And so while it is still adults, it's not like juniors, it, it's still a lot of the times you have like younger teenagers in the mix because they're they're waiting to be called up to the major leagues. They got sent down and they're seeing this and they're seeing, oh, so if my coach is doing this shit, then it's okay and I can get away with it in the future. Not even with the coach, but just like the coach, like when another player on the team is getting away with the shit and the co- and the referee approaches a coach about it and the coach says, come on, don't make it about you. Just basically let them do what they want because they weren't using it at you. Because I like I, people have this like and it, this is about like any sort of bigotry, like whether it's racism or something else, people think like, oh, if you're not being like explicit towards a specific person, if you're not being overtly, overtly um, racist or homophobic or something towards a certain person or a certain group, like, and you're just using insults in general, then, oh, it's fine, it's whatever. Though that's obviously not the case at all, because it's, it's like dominoes. If you're allowed to be, if you're allowed to say slurs, then you are allowed to be homophobic towards, like, other play, like, you know, God, I, I want to say enemy players, rival players, and then, that that's gonna that's gonna snowball into being you're allowed to be homophobic to actual gay people and everyone else and it's just it just gets worse and worse and worse like like you need to like cut the like it's a cycle and you need it needs to like at some point we need to stop and like just cut it off cold turkey just smack it off i think there's been um something curious about this before when um 
I was reading something about uh, racism in hockey and someone mentioned, oh, yeah, they never said uh, it was a player of color. And they said, oh, my teammates would never say anything like this to my face. Any this being like uh, a racial slur. But for some reason, when they were on the ice, they felt it was okay to say it to our opponents. So like they wouldn't they wouldn't say that that kind of shows still how you feel. You know, if you're using that against someone that shows that that you're seeing uh, their skin color or their their sexual orientation as wrong and that emphasizes it, even if it's not directed at someone who is a person of color or who is your teammate or who is actually gay, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's we've like this is the kind of bullshit that like is the reason why, well, in the end, why Trump got like, we think we got rid of racism, but in actuality, we just realized that, hey, it's not okay for you to go walk down the street and, like, you know, like, insult someone straight to their face, but, like, you can say it behind closed doors, it's perfectly fine, as long as you're around, like, other people like you, which is just not how the world should work. But, that's a whole other discussion, because we could go on, like, so many of these topics we could go on about all day. Um, Taylor, I believe you want to talk about, like, think how we can make things better. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this was just, uh, I mean, anyone can chime in uh, when they feel they need to. But um, I just wanted to open up the topic of conversation of, like, what um, what steps can the NHL and other major league sports in general uh, take towards creating a safer and more welcoming environment for not only LGBT people, but for like, you know, people of color, trans people, which we will get into a little bit later. Um, (laughs) So I wrote down opening more dialogue uh, and hiring more LGBT people to coordinate events or, or campaigns for, you know, hockey is for everyone because while we don't want to, you know, make people feel like they're the token whatever, I also don't think that people would well is for LGBT people that they don't really know. So I think to just have more gay people in charge, <laughs> I think that in general, but like it's it, especially. Especially in, uh, you know, Pride, like, I think that gay people... Hey, can we pause a second? You're, like, like, going in and out really hard right now. Yeah, you're kind of breaking up. I wasn't sure if it was just my computer. It's not just you. It's, like, I, I think it's your connection, Taylor. Do you want to lose um, you started going out, um, I would start, can you, um, repeat your thing about the open dialogue? Um, wait, one sec, let me take note of the time. Um. Ah. Yeah, like, if you could just take, um, if you could start where it was open dialogue, cause, like, yeah, you're, like, your connection got really bad all of a sudden. Okay, you're good. I wrote down for that uh, 
opening more dialogue and hiring more LGBT people to coordinate events or campaigns. Um, I just think that it's important, uh, especially with like hockey is for everyone. I think we should have more people of color in charge, more gay people in charge. I think that in general, but you the know, real gay agenda, gay is taking over the world. Real gay agenda, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta take it over. Well, it goes to show you, like you see with um with the the New Jersey Devils and with the and with the St. Louis Blues, you see that their Pride Nights are so elevated and they make their their LGBTQ communities feel so welcome because they do have uh people who are queer in the mix giving their opinions and and showing showing them like oh this is how you can welcome us into the fold and make us feel safe in this uh sport that maybe doesn't have the history of accepting us you know yeah definitely yeah i know um i think that might still just be on your end taylor I'm making of the time because, um, because Taylor, you just completely fucking froze. Yeah, you were saying that Shay was cutting out, but I think it's just you on your end. Do you maybe want to end and rejoin? Oh, if you're talking, I'm not getting any of it. Oh, um, in reference of what uh, we brought up when we first tried to record like an hour and a half, two hours ago about the uh, was there any gay players in baseball? The Dodgers have had both two, the only two out players. Um, there there were other player, other players from like classic baseball you know, days who went up through like the nineties and shit and they, mm-hmm. you know, they're long retired now. Um, there was the infamous guy with the high five story, but mostly I think there was one out pro player and there was something about, he, he pitched a shutout and that was that. Uh, but yeah, there has been gay baseball players just, uh, yeah. FYI. Sorry, I took note of like when we stopped, but that's good to know. So there was an outplay. I couldn't remember because like I know there was a, I knew there was quite a few like, or I thought there was quite a few out like retired baseball players. With as many, with as many players that gets you know churned through both the majors and all fifty bajillion versions of the minors, you know all tiers, it would be impossible for there not to be at least one out player at some point or another. Oh my god, Taylor, there's two of you. Also, because uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to check something, because I remember you said there weren't any um, other NFL players who had come out. It turns out there's like a whole bunch. But, but post-retirement? I th- I'm i not sure if post-retirement. I think I'm there are some sure that were. Like, if it is, this was recently, because Michael Sam in 2014 was the very first one, and he did not even make it past training camp. Yeah, I remember that. That was like a big, big deal that he never... 
that he ended up not. Yeah. But I remember there was like one. Okay. Oh, never mind. Sorry. For some reason, I thought there was a uh, uh, someone who came out as bi, who was actually playing in the NHL, but NFL. Sorry, but um, it was my mistake. Are we recording? No, um, we're technically recording. I just have the time written down from when I um, from when I told you to um, that you were frozen. Okay. Uh? I disconnected and reconnected to my Wi-Fi, so maybe. So. Yeah. Okay. So there's a there's a Division three football player that came out as by. Um. There's a bunch of col- There's a bunch of college football players. Shay, but I'm not seeing any ones that aren't. Um. That, no, no, um, it was my it was my mistake. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Like I didn't. I didn't. Like I knew you said that. That I was just saying that you were like right that there is an out football player that was by, but it was a a tier. It was a D three player. Um. I just looked it up because I'm just like, how wrong am I? Because um, there were retired players. <laughs> no, apparently. you're right. Well, no. Apparently, I looked. Apparently, the um in nineteen in 1975, the first like one of the first like a uh, retired NFL player was one of the first like major like athletes to come out. So, what? Okay, what the fuck were you talking about when Taylor froze? Right, right. We were talking about um doing better with the um with the what can we do to do things better okay so i'm taking note of time now so one of the things that um you actually specifically um gave us taylor in your notes but like i super super agree with and i think that should be I think should be a thing anyway, but like especially in the NHL is putting the front office um, through and honestly, personally, I think the rest of the players too, uh, or the players too, is through sensitivity training. Um, and you also mentioned we are homophobes, but especially just putting them through sensitivity training and being like, hey, this is this, this it's the shit that's homophobic. This is the shit. And if we're also just to bring because we were talking about race earlier. This is shit that's racist. This is a shit that you should not say. Because a lot of, especially from my experience, personally, I don't know about the rest of y'all, um, that, like, a, a lot, especially with straight white guys, which is what a lot of the league and the front office is made up of, um, they, if they don't think or know something is offensive, and they have not been explicitly told in before and it's not been made clear to them they instead of you know apologizing for like hey i said something wrong and i didn't know is they always get defensive and they're always like well i didn't know i didn't mean it like that you can't blame me for this blah 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 blah. it's like no we need to sit these kids we well we especially need with the front office because like if like yeah we we like the players are on one hand but like also the front office because if the front office is being stupid then that's going to make shit worse for the players who aren't straight or who aren't white or et cetera, et cetera, on the teams but like also i do think we need to like sit like sit the, when these kids come into the league like i know that they are like they go through like pr training typically but i feel like they also need to go through like a sensitivity training thing like not just being like hey don't say this stuff on social media because you might get eaten alive for it but be like hey don't say this at all because this is wrong like we yeah. get like if you said this is not like 
and put it as a no judgment zone of like, hey, you know, I don't know what you guys have done before. I don't know what you said in the past, but like, you guys are adults now. This shit doesn't fly. Like, we're like, everyone makes mistakes, but we're here and we're here to help. But like, you basically, here's how not to be a shitty person. There's just because you got money doesn't mean you need to be a shitty person. Yeah, and I especially like the the bit about like putting the front front office through the same kind of training because the 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 front office if if you who are setting an example, who you who are running this franchise is spouting homophobia or racial slurs or or just generally not being a great person towards people who are not white and not straight, then you're going to breed that in your organization. You're going to show players that, hey, it's okay to do this. Yeah, like, the front office needs to, like, lead by example. Like, because, like, the players among themselves will lead by example, but I really, I maybe this is, maybe this is just my opinions on how athletes are treated, um, by the organization, not just in the NHL, but just in general. I have a lot of, I have a lot of feelings about the athletes. I know they make a lot of money, but I have a lot of feelings about them being treated like commodities. And I'm an, for the, um, I'm an anthropology major. This is the kind of stuff I talk about all the time. I have a lot of feelings about media and commodification of people. So that's a different story. But maybe it's that, like I just don't feel like. Even if the even if the players turn themselves around, I just some part of me just does not feel like the front office is going to follow their example. Like they need to be put through their own separate thing and learn on their own, and then they can lead the players by example. But I don't know, like um, like unless it's like a really really big player, and even then maybe not. I'm not sure how much the front office would do with it unless they knew specifically that they had a minority player that was speaking up, being like, "Hey, here's what you can do to make." Like, I don't want to say my life easier because that sounds bad, but like, here's what you can do to help me and people like me feel more comfortable in, at my job. Definitely. There's also, there was something interesting that someone wrote that was a, uh, oh, sorry, Taylor, you can go ahead. Yeah, you're already talking. Go ahead. Finish your thought. There was something interesting that, uh, that, uh, it was it was something that they they studied about the Blackhawks and how that organization tends to have a lot of uh, negative negativity come out of that organization. And there was a study done sort of to show that like organizations like that that have uh, an image on their crest that maybe doesn't that kind of promotes uh racism or, or promotes homophobia or prom- promotes something negative you see more of that being excused because the franchise as a whole is being excused for holding that image huh. i just, just wanted to real quick uh bring it back around to kind of what sam is talking about um just a little bit uh so i find that old white men, the old white men who are in charge, the old white men in they're in charge everywhere, but especially in front of sports organizations, they don't they don't like to be told like what to do. They don't like to be told how to run their own businesses. So I think that and this is a very biased opinion and I will say that now 
so that people don't, you know, attack everybody else on this show. But personally, I think that we just need to get these these old fucks out of out of the office because they don't give a shit about creating safe spaces and whatever for players for minority and marginalized players. Hell, they barely even care about keeping their players safe and healthy. Healthy. Like, yeah. how can you not concussion check Sidney Crosby after he's had nearly had his career ended by concussions in the past? How can you not know if he got concussion checked? That's a different mm-hmm. story, though. I'm sorry, but yeah. I am t- I'm actually totally in agreement, if only because, like, not just, like, safe spaces. Like, they can barely even take care of their fucking players, like, physical health, let alone their mental health. Yeah, we spoke about this in another episode, how there are some teams that didn't even do, like, baseline testing. And it's like, if you're not taking care of your players, what is your what is your whole business, you know? Let me cut in real quick. Can we talk about how the fact that one of the uh, general managers was Lou Lamorello, and he creates the dumbest rules for his players to follow, but he does not <laughs> give a shit about their physical health. Like, who cares yeah. if they have a beard? Who cares if they have a high number on their jersey, but you don't give a shit about their concussion? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Rip the Islanders, TBH. <laughs> I mean, at least they got trots. <sighs> Anyone else have anything else? Huh? I said awkward silence. <laughs> I was just about to say something. <laughs> um, I like. Does any? I was just gonna ask you actually if anyone else had anything else. Um, had any other ideas? Or are we just like basically like fuck old men, which is a fuck mood, but Fight like the power, fight the power. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to come back to the fining a little bit. I. Also agree with you, Sammy, that we should um, at least match the the finding to their salary. But also, I wrote down that we should just take it away because it obviously doesn't mean anything. Like, obviously, they're losing money, but they know that they're going to make more. I think that when they when they make homophobic slurs and when they make especially racial slurs, like race is a hot topic in America, at least right now. And I'm not sure about Canada, but I'm it sure is. it's... Oh, I don't know if it's yeah. a hot topic, but it should be from all the bullshit I've heard about Canada. Yeah, but yeah, like because they like statistically, they have a shit ton of issues too. Well, yeah, okay. So the story that I shared with y'all in the group chat about um, one of the wings prospects experiencing racial uh, racial inequality during a game, and then ended for making a gesture at the player who made the racial comment to him and then anything to the kid who made the remark yeah it's just like the fucking instigator rule where they're like oh player injures another player and doesn't get in trouble for it so the enforcer comes in defends the player's honor just a gesture i think he probably just flipped him off yeah, I know. I guarantee that's what it was. I'm just saying it's kind of like, it just reminds me of that, where it's like, you know, we're punishing the people who are, like, 
standing up for themselves because we don't want to punish the people who actually deserve it. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's just what I was. That's what I was like yeah. too. Is I was thinking of the the instigator rule where it's like if you like the reason that like a lot of fights um are staged or mutuals because they put in a because in order to stop fighting quote unquote to lessen concussions even though that fights are very rarely the cause of concussions they like so like if you instigate the fight then you get extra you get an extra penalty or extra penalty minutes or something i think it's like it's, i think it's yeah. extra two minutes or something on top of like the five for fighting or something along those lines i don't remember the exact one because people don't get it very often because typically the fight's pretty mutual because they don't want to fight unless they know they're not going to get that instigator penalty but yeah it's just it's just the it's what this is what this is what happens in general this is kind of like the league's mo is they you know they don't punish the people who actually deserve it and i like i think i think that a lot of the issues with fining could be solved if we did make it proportional because it's i heard a story or a Someone made a comment recently. I have no clue where the conversation came from, so don't quote me on it. But I distinctly remember it might have been a post saw. I distinctly remember them talking about um, parking tickets and how um, most people think park or parking tickets and speed tickets stuff like that is are things where it's like, oh, you know, you don't want to do this illegal thing because you're gonna have to pay a ticket. It's put in place to stop people. People who make money, who this ticket means nothing to them, they basically see it as, oh. Hundred dollars? That's nothing. I'll pay a hundred dollars to park illegally in this space, and I think that I think that that kind of happens with fining sometimes. And I think that if we really did make a proportion, like if we had to be like a percentage of this of their yearly salary or something similar, would um then it would be then it wouldn't be just like it would be because I do think there should be a go between between you're getting fucking suspended. And, you know, maybe getting a fine or getting kicked out or getting a, mis- a 10 minute misconduct or something. Because um, a lot of, well, especially because a lot of times they don't punish people in game, but they'll punish them later for something that maybe would have just been a 10 minute misconduct. So I do think there needs to be some sort of in between, but it does need to be, it needs to be more than it is now. We can't just be giving $15,000, a $15,000 or $5,000 fine when they literally make that in a game or two. Because, like, as long as they don't get injured, they're fucking fine. And even when they're injured, I don't know how the fuck. I don't know how they're um how it works with injuries and stuff. They but, take a breath and suddenly they made the money back already. Basically, yeah. So if they actually made a proportional to where like, hey, you know, I still made a lot of money, but like this is actually a di- this is actually a dent. This actually meant something. Like, cause I I just I feel like if we just go straight into like suspending, then that's just going to, it's just going to cause drama. But, okay. well, to wrap that up, the NHL's trash needs to be fixed. So how about, <laughs> how about we talk about a league that's doing a bit better? Sarah, you want to come in? Oh man. I've been waiting for this, this whole podcast. I'm so ready. I have prepared not a whole substantial lot because I had a feeling I'd be coming in on the tail end and I didn't want to, you know, keep you guys here all night, but I've got what I got. So let's get through it. Alrighty. So the NWHL and the CWHL have come leaps and bounds in terms of representation. And while women's hockey um, has its share of bad eggs, the league seem to genuinely support their LGBTQ players and fans, which is, I mean, 
men's hockey fans, we talk about it. You know, we, 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 you know, we wonder what would it be like if we had a guy who came out and he was professional or he was in the minors, like what would happen? Are we prepared for this? Would the fans be okay with this? Is the league and the respective teams prepared to support him and protect him if necessary? Like we want, we wonder, and we have, you know, you can play and you know, everyone, you know, we have all that, but over here, the women's leagues, they're proving that it's possible. You can be gay and play hockey, or you can be gay and be a fan of hockey. Like, they are proving it. Nobody can deny it. So, um, and, I mean, sure, there's still much to be desired in some aspects, which I will touch base on in just a moment. But I would like to just take a second to say that as a lesbian fan of hockey, it is so wonderful to see so many out players being supported not only by the fans, but by the respective teams as well. This isn't just during Pride Month or a designated night. This is the norm. This is the norm for the women's leagues. And I am so grateful. Um, I would just look at Julie Chu and Chewy. Caroline Olet, like That's my wife. Olympic Olympic champion and another fantastic player. Not only are they gay and just killing life, like they are just outstanding and amazing in all aspects. They are married and they have a baby they have a like a they have a family baby. yes a hockey baby baby and like ah oh, little american what, canadian baby what i wouldn't give to be in their shoes and you know what fans love them like i said their names and everybody in this chat just was like oh man you know we all just got weak meat over these wonderful women um you know and they've been met with love and support um now i do want to talk about harrison brown if you are following any sort of hockey, you've probably heard his name. Um, he's a very brave and outstanding guy. He's paved the way for other trans players. Thankfully, he seems to be a met, seems to have been met with so much love and support, both on and off the ice. He blogs about it pretty fre- frequently on his Tumblr and his YouTube accounts and uh, Twitter. Yes, he's on Twitter. I follow it. It's pretty normally entertaining um he was the first trans player to come out and since then has also been followed by the lovely jessica platt from the toronto furies while wishing them both the best i think it's important to make note that while the nwhl is somewhat ahead of the curb it is lacking in taking care of its trans members brown was welcome to continue playing in the league and again has been adored but was also giving given only two choices he could retire and start or he continued he could continue to play but would not be allowed to take his hormone treatment um in the end he chose to retire he returned for one last season which was this year and i believe now he's headed back towards retirement so that he could finally start his testosterone treatment just to say like he actually has already started like he started a couple weeks yeah like he he retired and basically as soon as he officially announced that retirement he started i think his hormone treatment like the next day or two because i saw his i don't know i don't remember when but i remember seeing his pictures for his first day on hormone treatment well congratulations mr brown if you ever hear this um i'm very very happy for you (laughs) can i like sorry real real quick yeah i don't we literally the NHL men bring it bringing it real quick back to men's men's league. We, we don't talk about trans people at all, right? Yeah, like that, it's not even discussed. Like this was like it was when I heard about Harrison Brown, it was revolutionary. My mind was, I was like, holy shit! Like this is so fucking cool. Why the fuck is the NHL so far behind? 
Well, the only time I've ever seen like the NHL discuss like trans people is one when they had Brown come for like uh, for 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 you can play nights. He dropped the puck on quite a few of them uh, this this past year, but also like in uh, the Canucks had a trans goalie come and like hang out with the team and share ice with the team in 2013 because there was a he, he was a guy who had uh who was a big Corey schneider fan and he had uh shed his dead name and named himself after Corey schneider and they had him come in and share ice time and sort of like uh, uh let him tell his story and help him come out to the rest of the world oh that's but other 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 than that, we don't really see much mention or representation. Right. And what you were saying just now, was it, that's totally great. But I think that we as fans need to, not even just as fans, we as like marginalized people, we as a society need to demand more of organizations that we put our money into because we all, all of us here have put money towards our teams or towards the NHL and they don't do shit to make our people feel included. Yeah, I think that like they don't do oh, they don't do enough. Sharing ice time, that's fantastic. But when are we gonna have a trans man on an NHL team? Yeah, I think when can we have it? Yeah, I think like honestly like we as a community, especially because like while like I don't um like yeah while we always talk about like, oh, we want people to come out. Like we, we speculate about it. Like we never even talk really like in any sport, unless like specifically there is an issue tip it. And this is typically at the high school level, not even at any for not even at the college or higher level. We never talk about, um, trans inclusivity in sports because it's, we kind of take it for granted because there's always the quote unquote hormone issue and the difference between men and women and blah, 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 blah. We kind of just take it for granted that it's just like, that it's, I don't know that it's too difficult for us to discuss. We just kind of like, we kind of almost give people a pass and like, like I'm not trans myself, but it's like, I feel like we do need to like hold people accountable, like not just the NHL, but just like literally every single sport because Harrison Brown coming out wasn't just revolutionary for hockey. That was revolutionary for basically all of team sports, all of sports in general. Oh, yeah. You don't get yeah. trans out athletes very often, especially at the professional level. The last time I remember hearing a story aside from like Caitlyn Jenner that like about like a trans athlete was I think there was like a, a debate like there's issues like a year ago about there was a trans um there's a trans wrestler and he was forced to continue to play in the women's he's forced to compete um in the women's bracket even though he already started his hormone treatment and was already out already identified as a guy but he still was forced to compete in the women's bracket and i think a big part of this is um included with like um, with the transphobia aspect, but also there's just this ish, there's this, honestly, there's this, like, misogyny going on there where we're, like, where, like, we, like, we're so focused on the hormone aspect, but it's just, like, let's be real. Like, all genders can compete at the same level. Like, really, the only oh, yeah. time, like, the only time you maybe want to do it is, like, weightlifting because, like, that's one of, like, because there is, like, minute differences between, um, the two biological sexes, like, 
but like we have a very like like we have a very like the where the two sexes overlap is very large there's really not that much like biological difference even in like your nap because the excuse is like oh well a ma- like a a cis man can naturally lift more than a cis woman can and blah 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 but like no let's be real these women hockey players could compete on the same level as these male hockey players we know this we saw this at the all-star game I firmly believe the women's U.S. soccer team could kick the U.S. men's soccer team's ass. Let's be real. They are on the same level. So I feel like a lot of it is obviously transphobia, but I think also when we're combating this transphobia, we also need to consider the fact that there isn't like that we split these two leagues up, but we don't necessarily need to not to the level that we're doing now. Like that if like, so a man want, or like a woman wanted to compete in a men's league, she should be able to. Like I feel like it is just something that when we're talking about this, we like we like I just more so like as an argument against the transphobes of like, you know, we we like this yeah. misogyny. We take this misogyny, and like we basically use it to not even question the fact that there's no trans athletes. Sorry, I went on a huge tangent, but that's, like, I know that, like, that's always an argument when we talk about trans athletes is which league do they, who do they compete with, um, what, like, what to do with their hormone treatments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's, they should have just let Harrison Brown keep competing. Like, he, he plays the, he plays women's style hockey. Like, he plays the style of these leagues. Like, Mm -hmm. that's, like, no. Oh no, Sarah, you go. You ever have your hand raised? Uh, on a on a side note, not necessarily about uh, the the trans issue, uh, just like gayness in general in sports. I would like to make it very clear that this, you know, this conversation in this episode we're having is lovely, but again, this isn't a competition or a race to collect the most gay players. Like we're not mm-hmm. saying that you need to have so many out and gay players right now it's commendable if you do it's amazing if you support them and treat them as you should but the point is is that what we're asking for what any lgbt fan or player is asking for is just please make it safe enough to where if they so choose they could come out and not have to fear for their career or their families or in some cases in some places even their lives like it's you know it's scary coming out is scary fearing the possibility of being outed is terrifying i've been outed it was not fun so my heart goes out to anybody who you know is in the is in the spotlight you know they have people watching them um taking pictures of them writing articles about them it's it must be terrifying so that that's my little side thought yeah i'd like to um put on a bit of anecdote to yours just because i think it's something that this is more so addressed to the fans this is just a quick a quick note um, obviously, like, we all have, there's always rumors, we all have our suspicions about people. I do want to point out that we are not here to discuss not out player sexuality. We're not here to speculate. We're not here to spread rumors, especially because there has been rumors going around recently. I'm not going to name any names, not going to talk about what they're about. But I think that, like, 
in this Pride episode, this is something we need to stop speculating about. I I can think of several actors and actresses who have been outed because fans are so eager for the for these people to be out that they out them before they are ready. And I think that's a, that is an issue that can sometimes happen with hockey fandom because we hear a rumor, we have all these ideas, we think, oh, I see myself in this player. And so I think that they might not be straight. And then we tell people about it. And then they tell the the people you tell, you may trust, but they might tell other people about it. And then it spreads. And then hockey's a very insular community. It's very likely that, like, we may have heard stuff about this, but we don't we don't want these people to have to come out before they're ready. That's one of the big thing issues with the NHL is that I that like while we hope that the NHL is ready, it very likely is like I, I'm not sure that we're quite ready as a as like a fan community yet, and we need to respect that, and we need to keep these pe- we need to keep people safe. Like as a queer person, I want these queer athletes to be safe and feel safe and continue to be safe and if that means staying in the closet for the rest of your life that's truly what they want to do that is their choice and I respect that and I just I guess it was just a little like I went on about this way longer than I meant to but I just I this is kind of just me imploring to the fans like we really need to stop discussing like seriously discussing and spreading rumors about people about player sexualities because unless we know for sure, it's just, it, it, it literally does nothing. Like, it's one thing when we're like, hey, you can play as said that these that there are players who are not straight in the community. And that, that gives us hope. But, like, we don't need to speculate about who they are. That's not, that's not for us. That's for them to yeah. decide when they're ready. Even, even if you do see something that, like, maybe is, like, confirmation or whatever. If you do bump into someone it, somewhere that might say something remember these are people's lives that these are people who who like like you said their safety is is at risk and these are people who deserve their privacy and that 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 goes particularly towards their sexuality but also towards all aspects of their lives because we see their their lives being invaded all the time by uh by fans who are needy to know more and and that's understandable but it's not not to the point where you're invading someone's privacy I, I I agree and I disagree with what you've just said, Shay. I don't need um, what players are doing with their personal lives. I don't understand that. That's that's creepy, in my in my opinion. And people can be mad at me for saying that, but <laughs> it's true. It's creepy if you feel like you, you know, that's happening in, in your favorite player's life, and it's. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm sure it puts bad tastes in players' mouths, you know, and, but I do agree that um, these are people, these are human beings, and just because they're kind of in the spotlight, because they're professional athletes, doesn't give you any right to what they choose to not Yeah, I think also just, like, I know that there's been times, and this is stuff that, like, I have, like, I or a friend has, like, discussed, like, within private group chats, so I would hesitate even to do it there. It's, like, there's been stuff that, like, players have posted and immediately deleted. Like, if stuff like that happens, it's just, I wish that we wouldn't discuss it, because obviously it was an accident. They didn't intend to do it. They didn't, like, it's, people make mistakes. They, like, they may have a public 
a public Instagram or public social media, but that doesn't mean that they always mean to to post everything they do. And sometimes we just need to, sometimes we just need to turn the other way. We need to, we need to fucking, what is it? Clark Kent it, where you just like, you just pretend you don't know. Uh (laughs) It's called the Clark Kent effect or something where you pretend like you, you, you let them have the illusion. Yeah. At least with stuff like this. Um, but, uh, so, was there anything else you wanted to say about the Women's League, Sarah? Uh, sorry, we kind of took over the conversation. There was, there was some stuff that happened at the end of the season regarding the women's American team and a, um, certain decision they made Mm. that honestly it broke my heart I was devastated and I know many of the other fans were too Um, but I would just like to remind people that this league both both of the women's leagues are still very young and that we as fans you know we've had a lot of pull because again it's not like the NHL doesn't have millions of dollars coming in and out every year it's it is different we have to admit that this is a little bit of a difference Um, basically don't don't forget the the LGBTQ and players of color. Don't forget them. Don't leave them hanging. We've had some bad eggs, and it was devastating. But don't give up on the players that deserve your respect. Because without fans, the league is nothing. Without people to watch and support and pay money for your you know, whoever you love, like I'm a Raptor fan. So, you know, if I'm not, you know, buying jerseys and jerseys, like there's no money going in, there's no money coming, like then they can't play. They can't do what they love and you can't grow the game and the league and be better. The whole, and I'm shivering right now. So if my voice is shaking, I'm sorry, this room is very cold. But my, my point is, is that you have to strive to be better. And when your faves, when they let you down that way, even if they're not actually your faves, they're just, you know, players who happen to be on a team that you were supporting. You know, the best thing, you, you got to pick yourself up. You got to dust yourself off. Um, maybe write a letter, make a post, you know, do something. Just stop standing them. Stop following them. Stop supporting them. But support the people that deserve it. Because they're killing themselves working hard. And I've seen a lot of people just drop the leagues as a whole because they're seeing these bad eggs and that that's so sad because (laughs) flip the coin and you've got all these people you know loving the nhl through everything you know and again i'm not excusing what these certain women did i'm not excusing it i'm just saying yeah i think that like we forget and part of this is just societies and possibly even like internalized misogyny um that women's leagues well they're never perfect like obviously there's going to be issues in every single league but like women's women's sports for whatever reason whatever reason you want to look into it as um they've all they always tend to be more accepting like you think of like you i grew up in a um, a household that watches a lot of soccer and of course u.s soccer it's like yeah, if you if you come from a soccer household, for men's soccer, like yeah, you probably support Team USA when they go like during the Olympics and during the World Cup, but you probably watch European leagues. But with how good the women's leagues have been, or the women's um with how good Team USA has been for um for the women the women's Team USA, gosh, I cannot speak. Um including, you know, 
that World Cup win. <laughs> mm. Like, we forget that, like, while it, it has their own issues, like, there's been, like, out players for years. Like, I still get emotional thinking about um, Abby Wambach wife leaning over the barricade to kiss Abby after they won the FIFA World Cup. Like, I still get emotional yes. thinking about that. And then I think of Megan Rapinoe, who is, I think, one of the first players, if not the first non-football player to take a knee during the National Anthem in support of the NFL players. Like, and then I, like, I mean, people, like, pay attention to the women's team, but, like, I don't know, it's still, you still see, like, I don't hear anything about the um women's major soccer league major league soccer that's what it is major women's league soccer whatever it is i can never remember the acronym for it but i follow a couple of the teams it's good stuff it's good stuff but mm-hmm. and i think with hockey more so because like especially after the 2015 world cup win i think women's soccer has a bit more weight because there is this knowledge that the women's soccer team is very good they go around they play exhibition matches all over the country and but like so they have a they have more support because they they have won recently so they're able to bring more money and even though a couple years ago they were in the same exact place that the women's league is in right now where they have to hold up multiple jobs just to be able to play the sport they love but also take care of their family and take care of themselves and i like again like we need to like stop giving the men so much leeway and just like Remember that these women have been here. These leagues have been here that are making efforts. And yeah, it's not perfect, but they're making the effort. And that's a hell of a lot more than the NHL has been doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't that me. Okay. So, obviously this episode is supposed to be about Pride, but we're going to take... And it, it, the episode is almost over, but just to um, bring it back around, because this is... General podcast about news and such. Um, some of the exciting things that have ha- some of the things have happened since the last time we've recorded an episode. Um, John Tavares, of course, has been meeting with several teams. He um, include like and there's rumors that if he didn't stay with the Islanders, that he might move on to that. The rumors say that he'll probably either pick the Sharks or the Leafs. Um, though I feel like I've heard the Knights recently too. Um, apparently. Pavel- Joe Pavelski, the captain of the Sharks, grandmother, and Kyle Dubas's grandmother have both tweeted about how they want JT to join their respective grandmother grandson's teams. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> My boy Carter Hutton is looking at Buffalo. I'm a little upset about that. Wanted him to stay in the Blues. Still hoping they they re-sign him. But um, and gosh, any other stuff you guys want to cover? I would just like to go on record saying that Miss Tatiana Rafter, I love you. I adore you. Um, call me. Thank you. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I met with NHL news, but that too. <laughs> Hot take. Sarah only joined this podcast so she could... Uh, pronounce her love to all of her favorite women's hockey players. Look, I will become a wag <laughs> one way or the other, and I'm fucking trying. Mood. Big mood. God. Let's see, was there any other NHL news that you guys thought was pertinent before we sign off? I'm ready for trades to be over. I'm ready God for Detroit to get some defense. 
God, Dallas needs some D2. Oh. Maybe they're lesbian teens at heart. Maybe that's why I like- oh, you beat me to it. I was about to say, maybe that's why I like them so much. <laughs> so, hey, you can play Someone Go Give Detroit and Dallas the D. It sounds like they need it. <laughs> oh, God. So, I think the- I only think- I think the only thing that's, like, worth mentioning is just that dev camp happened throughout the league, throughout the the respective teams so you got if if you got to go to your local dev camp you got to go see your young prospects duking it out for for a spot at uh at, at training camp so uh hang on i i just had something up about one of the the camps hang on let me scroll back up and get to that i've got a gajillion tabs open right now well, oh you're looking for that. I just like to to say, um, Rasmus Dalin, are you looking like he's trying to take out the competition? May the odds ever be in your favor. <clears throat> yeah. While you go and like kill all your teammates during um, <laughs> scrimmage, power to you. I saw that hit. Yeah. Listen, Zadina. Sorry, go. Zadina is tearing it up, uh, or was tearing it up. Uh, the Red Wings just finished their development camp, but um, he was on top line of his uh, respective team because they split him into teams. And he was, I want him, I really, really, really want him on Dylan Larkin's line this, this fall. Um, so I really, I hope that this camp in like, Everything else that, that we've seen from Zadina gets him on the wings this season because he's fantastic. Sarah, go ahead. Okay, so the name Oli- Oliver, Olivier Galipo Pew, does that name ring any bells? Not for me, no. no. Okay, well, he's a defenseman uh, signing on into the AHL, and he was supposed to, he was scheduled to attend the Montreal Canadiens development camp, but instead turned right around and signed on with the Providence Bruins and is going to attend the Boston Bruins development camp. That's amazing. Good yeah. for that kid. I would not want to be a part of that organization either. He anyway, it right out of there. I just saw that on my feed and I thought it was funny. Yeah, that is hilarious. Okay, just an add-on. So you're talking about the women's leagues and because um, Jess is not part of the podcast today, but she asked this to be mentioned. Um... Haley Wickenheiser was actually played a significant role helping with the Lease Development Camp this year. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing about that. Hell, yeah. I'm so glad that she mentioned that because it completely slipped my mind. It's funny because I actually saw the news alert for it, but, like, the news alert I saw was um, future Hall of Famer helps out with Lease Development Camp. And I'm like, why is this significant? I didn't realize (laughs) because they didn't say the name in the one I looked at. I'm like, okay, scrolls past. Um... But for those who may not know, she's Canada's all-time leading scorer in women's hockey with 379 points in 276 games. That is 168 <sighs> goals and 211 assists. But yeah, she's... So is she like... Hmm? Is she like women... Is she like the women's hockey, like, Wayne Gretzky? Is she our Gretzky? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> but yeah, she was one of the three coaches for one of the development teams. So, um, and she seemed to have a lot of fun. 
She said she might be talking to Kyle Dubas to see if there's a fit for her within the team. Yeah, apparently, like, from what it sounds like, um, she got the call about it, like, several months ago. Like, this wasn't, like, a last-minute thing. This was, like, several months in the plan, like, in the planning. So. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she'll be eligible for the Hockey Hall of Fame next year, FYI, guys. Hell, yeah. Hey, so, like... Someone like at the Hockey Hall of Fame. I mean, they since we did even though this is prior episodes, since we had to talk about hockey is for everyone month. Um, props to them for finally putting Willie O'Ree in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, took you fucking long enough. Just saying. The the only thing is that they they snuck in Gary Bettman in the same year as Willie O'Ree, and it's like you couldn't wait to like put Bettman in another year. You couldn't have like Willie have his own year. So uh, what did what did Bettman do? I, I don't know. He he just got he, he they put him in for like what he's done for the league. Even though he was in? there for two lockouts that like basically destroyed the American fan base for hockey. Yeah. Did he did he get in for most times amounted to being booed in a single draft day? Like, because that truly was astounding. Like, I was there. I took video. I can tell you that it really was quite a moment. It was a day. Never I sh- will forget. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have to play that video at Sarah's funeral. You will. Lower my, lower my casket with the sounds of fans booing Bettman so that he can let me down one last time. <laughs> oh gosh okay so a couple other fun things um dsp agreed to one um one year uh, a one year one million dollar contract to stay with the caps um which i'm very happy because if you listen to last episode i was complaining that they hadn't re-signed him but i love a boy who does this he wanted to stay with the caps we actually took less than he could have he turned down more lucrative offers so he could stay um with the caps and maybe try for another cup run um, Michael Kempney also agreed to a multi-year extension with them. Um, and then also I saw today that like Orpic might be, t- um, Orpic's people are talking to the Caps people and he might be going back too. Though I don't think Beagle is staying. Um, on a note, um, the New York Rangers are looking into Ryan Reeves. Um, and the Habs are still after Ryan O'Reilly, um, and, oh, dear God, why did I have to find this out from fucking reading this, these notes? Mark Bergevin has also reached out to Paul Stassi's agent, which, Bergevin, if you get your hands on Stass, I'm going to come beat your ass myself. Can't have him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I didn't, apparently I completely skipped over that note after I read Ryan O'Reilly's name. So I just found out as I was reading this to, to you guys. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Wow. <laughs> okay listen i'm very protective of my blue boys like i was kind of actually hoping that he'd stay on the jets because i think he liked it there and i was really hoping he'd keep going there but apparently not we know you're sensitive you remember when we thought when we brought up the idea of pareko being traded to the flyers you lost it no 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 he has to stay with the blues it's, it's i already oh. might be losing hutton i can't, I can't lose pareko too while we were at oh, the draft oh. together, oh sorry. No, go yeah, ahead. yeah. While we were at the draft together, uh, I was scrolling Twitter, you know, just in between draftees, and um, saw a rumor that Vegas was looking at Pareko, and Vegas had actually liked the tweet. Shady and I bastards. remember, 
I was I was freaking out because I actually really like Pareko, but I knew that I couldn't tell her. So I was like <laughs> silently having to sit there emotionally constipated the whole night. Keep in mind, I asked her to tell me and she wouldn't tell me. No. <laughs> She's like, I don't want you to freak out too bad in the middle of the draft. I'm like, no, I need to know. You're going to make me freak out worse. It was it was bad. I'm not normally this way about trades. I just really like Colt Pareko, guys. I'm sorry. He's my boy. I... I God, do you remember when they traded Jordy Ben and I sat out and cried in front of everybody? Oh right, I had to text uh, you to make sure you were okay, and I think that's how you. I think that's how you found out that he got traded. I'm so yeah, sorry about that. I was not. I cried in front of everybody, and like it, I'm, I still get emotional over it. I'm not okay. It makes you feel better. Anyway. I like screamed in the middle of the Chicago draft when they, um, when they traded Ryan Reeves and scared a bunch of Blackhawks fans. Honestly, those Blackhawks fans probably deserved it, but that's also a really big mood. <laughs> I was a scream when Shunner got traded, you... but I was one of joy. Sorry, go Taylor. If it makes you feel any better, Detroit's interested in, I think it was Buffalo's goalie, so we're not interested in Hutton anymore. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just hoping that Hutton is doing what they suspect Ferris is doing, is being like, look how much I'm worth. This is how much I want. Because, okay, I don't want to go in this. This is not the point of the podcast. We need to wrap it up. <laughs> we do. This has been forever. This is going to be another two-hour-long show. It will be. Um, one last thing. Sadly, Annie isn't here, too, either. I don't know if she'd cry of joy or pain. Um, but Drew Daddy also agreed to an eight-year extension through the 2027 season. He is getting paid $11 million a year, which means he makes more than Kopitar. Which... She's pissed about that. Huh? Sure. She was like, in the group chat, she was like, I can't believe he's making more than Kopitar. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but yeah, Drew Daddy's trash, and side note, we need to stop giving money to bad people. Trash, trash. please. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Unfortunately, because special edition episode, we don't really have a fun game to play um, at the end of it this time, unless anyone has anything. So does anyone have any closing things they want to say besides Sarah's um, marriage proposal to Tatiana Rafter? Uh, that marriage proposal also extends to Captain Stretch. I love you. <laughs> Please come back. <laughs> so, new, new ending hard. game. Who do you want a sugar baby? Which any which women's player do you want a sugar baby? Go. All all of them. All of them, definitely. Tatiana Rafter. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with Chewy. I already talked about how she's my wife. I'm. I just I just really like Chewy a lot. That's that's fair. You know, that's a really good option. I'm gonna be big and say Nighter just because, like, I love her dogs and I love her. Taylor, you're valid. Thank you. I need, like, a reaction button so, like, it has, like, confetti or something. It'll happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Little sirens. <laughs> I mean, that's my other, that has my other wife, who is Lucy Lou. I almost forgot my wife's name. This is really unfortunate. I'm gonna, oh. She's not here anymore. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, thanks for joining us on this special edition podcast. Um, we're gay and we're here to stay. See y'all next time. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Woo! Woo!